Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, part two of our super pod. I'm copying Bill Simmons there, uh, except that I did not grow a mustache recently. I'm John Manuel, joined by Jim Callis. If you want an overview of the entire draft deadline situation this year, you know how messed up it is, um, you know, overall a view, overview of the entire first round, that's on the National League side of the podcast. That's on part one. Part two, we're just going to continue bearing down on the American League, team by team. You have fewer teams here. We don't have the overview. Should be a shorter file. So, Jim, we're just going to dive right into the American League. Uh, let's start off with the Baltimore Orioles. Picking fourth overall, Dylan Bundy. Also, they've got their second rounder, Jason Esposito, who's had some um, advisor hijinks. I believe he's been through several advisors here. Um, no longer a Boris Corporation client. And then sixth overall, oh, sixth round, I should say, a perceived tough sign in Nicky Delmonico. Uh, they've got some guys down the line, Jim. It's kind of an interesting draft uh, class. What do you expect to happen here with the Orioles? And uh, you know, do you expect anything, any chance they don't sign Dylan Bundy? No. I mean, Bundy's one of those guys. I mean, we, we said this about Strasburg. We said it about Bryce Harper last year. <clears throat> he's he's so talented, he's going to get offered more money than he can turn down. I mean, we'll say the same thing about Bubba Starling when we get to the Royals in a little bit. You know, the record guarantee for any high school pitcher in the draft is $7 million. And I think Dylan Bunny's going to get, seven, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe more. Um, you know, he'll get more. You know, Beckett got that deal in 1999, and Rick Porcello got that deal a few years ago. He'll, he'll get done. I mean, you know, they, he was throwing out, you know, $30 million price tag during the spring. Yeah. Uh, you know, the six-year, $30 million contract, which isn't going to happen. But he's just going to get offered too much to turn down. Esposito is another guy, you know, stuck on slot. Um, you know, had the Boris Corporation going into the draft. He's with Legacy now. Um, I, I've heard some talk that there's some dispute over, and there's this always happens with a couple guys in every draft. The team thinks the player's side promised one thing. Player's side doesn't think they ever made that promise. So we'll see. I think he'll get signed. And then Nicky Delmonico, the more I hear about it, I, I do think the Orioles are going to pay and sign Nicky Delmonico in the sixth round, uh, Knoxville High School third baseman. And, and we've also heard that they've offered sandwich money to a, a, a Maryland high school third baseman named K.J. Hockaday, and have not been, uh, that has not been accepted so far. But he might be the late-round guy that they put some money into. Love that name, K.J. Hockaday. That's a great name. Uh, that's one of the better names in the draft. Um, Jim, the Boston Red Sox uh, get a lot of publicity for their draft signing. I don't think there's another way to put it. They get a lot of attention. Their fans are informed fans, and they follow the draft quite a bit. And here you look at the the Red Sox, and their first four picks are unsigned. they got a couple other guys in their f- first ten rounds unsigned. It's going to be a very active club uh, at the deadline. Let's just go pick by pick. Matt Barnes, he's going to sign, ain't he? He will. You know, I mean, again, Matt Barnes is probably a guy who, you know, when Sonny Gray signed three weeks before the deadline for just a little over slot, was a little disappointed because he's right behind Sonny Gray. Um, yeah, I think, again, I mean, we keep saying this, college junior, I think the Red Sox have been allowed to make him a slot offer and not anything more. And at some point, I don't know if it'll be today, if it'll be over the weekend, if it'll be Monday afternoon, you know, MLB will start allowing teams to – to make offers. And, and, and I, I think there's some of that going on anyway, but officially, you know, I'm not saying the Red Sox are, are doing things they're not supposed to, but, but you, there's no way you can deal with this many players and not at least be talking money with agents. You know, there's gotta be teams doing that, but I just don't think, you know, Matt Barnes is another guy who's not going to sign for slot, you know, the, these artificially low slots. And so that hasn't gone anywhere yet, but he, he'll sign. I, I'd be very surprised if he didn't sign. And there are other college juniors. Let's stick on them. And Jackie Bradley in the same boat. Correct. He's in Boston. Yeah, yeah. According, according to his Twitter Jack- feed, he's in Boston right now. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times they get the physicals knocked off early because right. you don't want to get a deal done at eleven thirty, and really it protects the player because sure. I think there's a window. Sure. If I sign Jackie Bradley, for instance, at eleven, and he was hurt during the the season, obviously too. If I sign Jackie Bradley at eleven fifty nine p.m. on Monday night, I still have a window. I think it's seventy two hours, whatever it is, or it might even be longer than that. I think it is longer. I have a period of time where I can do a physical, and if he doesn't pass the physical, I can void the contract. Right. Well, the problem is if I do that, and then and then I can't reach an agreement with Jackie Bradley Jr., Jackie Bradley might lose his college eligibility. Correct. Um, so what you see is a lot of teams will try to do the – and it also helps to know 
you know, in his case, had a thumb injury, thumb or wrist injury. Wrist injury. You like to know exactly what's going on with the wrist before you make, you know, your your offer. That's I, a think, lot of times, I think we all saw what was going on with his wrist in Omaha when he came out there, and after not having played for like six weeks, just took big, aggressive, confident, and effective swings for South <laughs> well, Carolina. Early, that was, when, I was when I was so there, impressed with him. When I, when I saw Jackie Bradley at the tail end of the World Series, I think I saw him go one for 13 with an infield single. So, but, he, uh, but he was taking no, – you're right. He, he wasn't, wasn't holding back, though. Exactly, he was, exactly. He was not holding back. The second game that he played, which was the last game I saw him at, he was drilling the ball against Virginia, and he was in there. I, I was impressed that a guy who'd been out that long came back with that kind of confidence. But the point is him, Noe Ramirez, those guys are going to sign, right? I would think so. You know, getting back to Jay, just to make something clear too, when people, because we all get questions. Hey, so and so was seen at City Field or at right. You know, Chase Field. The, 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 the teams get the players' physicals done early, so there aren't last-second problems. You know, like Dylan Covey or Barrett Laux last year. You know, problems came up late in the game. Right. Anyway, I think Jackie Bradley signed. I mean, he's a guy who had aspirations to go in the middle of the first round. He's a Boris Corporation guy. He's not going to sign. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take the over, John, on the slot at 40, which is 829.8. Um, so, again, college junior who wants over slot, he's going to have to wait a little bit. I think Noe Ramirez will get more than, you know, more than the fourth-round money. I think he'll sign too. And, you know, and then they've got all these high school guys. High you know, school Blake guys. Uh, in their first know. ten rounds, and, I, and also, by the way, they, have a, they took a lot of insurance-type guys later. Summer follows. Blake Forslund, one of my favorite summer follows, a guy who pitched like one inning prior to this season in his college career and has been overrated for a long time because of his – I'm not trying to bust on Blake Forslund, but the guy's been overrated for a long time because of his arm strength. Uh, he was a summer follow in the Coastal Plain League gym. Here's his Coastal Plain League line, 0-5, 874 with 24 walks and 35 innings. You know, that guy needs to pitch. So I don't expect the, Yan- the, 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 the Red Sox to – Go crazy on Blake Forsland. But uh, these high school guys, Blake Swihart, Henry Owens, Mookie Betts, Cody Kukuk, Senquez Golson. That's five guys, right? Over, under on them yep. signing. If it's a three and a half, you're going to go over or under on, on them signing those players. I'll go under on that. Um, okay, I don't I think they can too. sign them all. All right. Um, I think Blake, I mean, again, Swihart is a guy who, big price tag. Um, I think it's going to take high twos, maybe something that begins with a three to sign him. Uh, and again, they knew that when they took him. I think the Red Sox pay guys. You know, they don't usually have high picks in the first round, so they, you know, they're willing to pay uh, numerous guys. You know, they're not putting six million dollars in one guy. I think they'll get Swihart done. Same logic. I think they'll get Henry Owens done. I don't think it's real close right now, um, but they'll get him. Done. Again, he'll be an overslot guy. You know, he, he's not one of these high school pitchers who's watching what Joe Ross and Robert Stevenson and Taylor Guerrero and those guys are, are going to sign for ahead of him. Um, after that, I think it's a little more uncertain. Mookie Betts, I don't think they're real close on. I think he might be more of a – I think they'd obviously like to sign him, but I think he's more kind of on their second tier of priorities. And occasionally, if they didn't sign somebody they expected to, they might have more money for Mookie Betts, and it might take that more money to sign him away from Tennessee. Um, Kukuk and Golson, I think, are both guys who are looking somewhere in the seven figures. I think they've already made a strong run at Golson, who's playing football at Mississippi, um, and he turned him down. And, and he's declined. The last I'd heard, he's declined the opportunity. You know, Boston wanted to bring him to Boston for physical and to try to recruit him a little bit. Um, and he turned the Red Sox down on that. So I don't think they're going to sign Golson. Uh, which might mean that, that Kukuk has a better chance of getting his seven figures are close to it. And and you're right, John. I mean, they're very aggressive. They're, they're probably the, considering where they pick, they're probably the most aggressive team in the draft year in and year out. You know, they, they've made a run at Daniel Gossett. Yep. Uh, that's been unsuccessful in the 16th round. He's probably going to go to Clemson. Um, you know, Jarrett Brown is a Georgia high school. Do you interest them a little bit? Um, you know, they've got some other guys too. Um, but I, I think my, my guess is, you know, getting back to his high school guys, I think they'll sign the two top high school guys in Swihart and Owens. And I think it might just be one of Kukuk, Golson, and Betts. But three and a half is a good place to draw that over under because they could sign two of them. I, I don't think there's any way they sign all five of those guys. That, that would surprise me. The Yankees, Jim. Uh, I think we've panned their draft enough. <laughs> but Dante Bichette Jr. off to a great start, signed early. He is raked in the Gulf Coast League. Um, but they've got a lot of unsigned guys. It's just like they're close on Jordan Cote, well, <laughs> their, third round, their third rounder, correct? 
Well, let, let's just say uh, we'll we'll call a charade a charade. Um, okay, I think that's a good, that's a good way to put deals, it. I think the Yankees have deals with most of their guys. There, there's a, I so think you we'll, can talk. We'll play, we'll play a different game. We'll play deal or no deal. Deal or no deal <laughs> with Sam Stafford. That's a no deal. Well, that that one's up in the air. That was it was reported in the uh, see the Yankees for whatever reason the Yankees spend more on revenue sharing and luxury tax and everything. Than any other team, but the Yankees, you know, the Yankees, by my logic, would then have the right to do whatever they want in the draft more than any other team, since they're subsidizing the other teams more than anyone. Right. But yet the Yankees, I think, want. <laughs> I think they have a lot of their guys signed, but they want to announce them all at the last second so they don't get yelled at. Um, which is why a lot of teams wait because nobody wants to get yelled at. But anyway, going back to Sam Stafford, reported over a month ago in the Austin paper by our good friend Kirk. Bulls, knows what he's talking about, that he signed for right around $400,000, which would be slot. And it's never showed up as a done deal uh, you know, on MLB.com or any of the MLB documents where they track draft picks. And the word is there may be something going on with the physical there. Um, and I think Kirk actually had a story today in the Austin paper uh, or, or a column talking where he mentioned Sam Stafford. And, and I think it's unclear as to what's going to happen with that one. So that, that, there's no deal, definitely no deal right now on Sam Stafford. I think there was a deal agreed to, and I don't know how that one's going to shake out. Deal or no deal, Jordan Cote, that's a deal, correct? That deal, yeah. You, everybody in the industry, again, just so I don't look like I'm being cute here, sometimes chasing this draft stuff, you get information on the condition Hey, I'll tell you, you know what the deal is, but you can't run with it until a certain point. Jordan Cote, I think you can ask anybody in the industry, and they know what Jordan Cote's bonus is going to be. We will go deal on Jordan Cote. Okay, um, I'm very curious, Jim. Uh, Greg Bird and Jake Cave. Jake Cave, I saw in the Coastal Plain League All Star Game, tallying up our Coastal Plain League top ten right now. Jake Cave is certainly as a unsigned six round pick. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse to be number one in the Coastal Plain League. What do you got on Greg Bird and Jake Cave? Deal or no deal on both those guys? Let's just see on Greg Bird again. If uh, you want to talk to somebody, almost anybody in the industry, not on the record and not for publication, you could probably find out what Greg Bird is going to sign for. Um, So we'll say deal on Greg Bird. Uh, Jake Cave is not done. I think it's going to take sandwich round money to sign him away from LSU. And, you know, the Yankees have the money. We'll see on that one. I, I think there's a good chance they sign him. Is Greg Bird's deal the one that is raising the most eyebrows in the industry? Safe to say mm, that? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think certainly, you know, there are times where one team values a player a lot more than a lot of other teams do. Um, you know, I, I, Greg Bird is going to be very well compensated. I don't think a lot of teams necessarily would have given him the number the Yankees are going to wind up giving him. But again, I mean, you could probably you could probably go to just about any team and find a guy who's going to get a lot of money that the majority of teams would go. I don't know what they're doing with that one. So just that's, um, that's, I, I don't that's think a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't think he's raised any more than some other guys. Um, but I I I I think it's probably fair to say the Yankees probably are paying Greg Bird more money than than almost any other team would have been willing to pay him. They don't have anyone signed after the first 25 rounds, which is really weird. Now, they have, there's some interest in Daniel Camarena, who was a top 200 caliber guy, their 20th round pick. Anyone else to expect after the 25th round with the Yankees? You know, it's, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think, um, I think Camarena maybe. I mean, you can never say never with the Yankees because they can spend whatever they want on these guys. Um, I think Chaz Abair in the 27th round. Um, Louisiana high school pitcher, maybe. John Brebia, Elon right-handed pitcher, maybe. Um, Skylar Janice, Canadian right-hander in the 34th round, uh, maybe. Uh, Joey Mayer from New Hampshire, 38th rounder. Uh, he's another guy who, who who might have a chance to get signed. So those are four guys who I think uh, you know maybe have a chance to get something done. I don't think they'll get all four of them. But, I mean, the Yankees certainly have the financial wherewithal to sign whoever they want. And wouldn't surprise me at all if they signed a couple more of those guys. Tampa and Toronto, Jim. The next two teams had as many picks as any teams did. Tampa with a record-setting 10 of the first 60 picks. Uh, this, these could go on a while. Um, the Tampa's got all kinds of intrigue. Let's start off with their high school guys. Taylor Guerrero, 24th. Tyler Goodell at 41. Going to be a really tough choice, it seems like, for him. 
uh, J.D. Davis in the fifth round. Any surprises there? You know, uh, Tanner English, I know, is a guy here in the Carolinas, a South Carolina recruit. There's been a lot of interest in because of the Gamecocks. What's your take on their high school unsigned players at this point? I think they'll get. I mean, again, I think the I think the first rounders are all going to get done. I, again, if if you were basing whether guys would sign or not on how close they are today, you might be alarmed by Taylor Guerrero um, or Mike Kimata, who we'll talk about, who's their other first round pick. I think Taylor Guerrero will get done. Um, you know, again, I mean, Taylor Guerrero is sitting there at pick twenty four. Joe Ross at twenty five is getting offered you know two and a half. Robert Stevenson's piggy trying to piggyback a couple picks behind him uh, of course you know especially if you're getting offered slot or close to it you're gonna wait and see what what the market bears on these guys Tyler Goodell he, he's got I think he's gonna sign I think Tyler Goodell I think you're gonna look and see you'll probably will probably see a seven-figure deal for Tyler Goodell when all is said and done um J.D. Davis the last word we heard Aaron Fitz been calling some of the college coaches. I think Cal State Fullerton feels pretty good about keeping J.D. Davis right now in the fifth round. Um, and after that, and, you know, with, with all the early picks, I don't think they're going to do a lot of damage after the 10th the round. So, you know, maybe there'll be a guy or two they sign, but I, I don't think they're going to go big money on any of their guys after the 10th round. I mean, that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. So then Ma took college junior. Grayson Garvin, I like Grayson Garvin. I'm not sure how much we can talk about on the record with Grayson Garvin, but that seems like that's a that's a unique case in the draft this year, is it not? His signing is going to be is his signing has been complicated, correct? Yeah, I mean that's probably one we sh- shouldn't talk about in any greater detail than that uh, right now. But you know, it, it's it's it hit an unexpected snag, and we'll see how that one plays out. Um, you know, Matuk's a guy who you know. Again, I think he'll sign, but I don't think they're particularly close right now. I mean, before the draft, there was some talk that Matuk, you know, Matuk A, he could have gone in the teens. You know, he could have gone as high as, say, 13th in the draft to the Mets. And there was talk that he wanted a major league contract. Well, he didn't go 13th. He went 31. And, you know, the Rays, who have all these picks, don't have to sign any one of them in particular to make or break their draft. And, and you know, the difference in slot money between 13 and 31 is is over it's nine hundred or seven hundred thousand dollars. So I mean, I, I don't think they're particularly close right now. I, I you know, if you told me that one blew up, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But again, I, I think they'll work it out. It's just I, you know, it's going to go down to the wire. You know, Garvin. You know, we'll see. And that's pretty much it. You know, they they've signed. I think everybody else in the tenth round. You know, college wise, and you know now we'll <laughs> we'll go to Toronto where they really haven't signed anybody yet. It's pretty unbelievable. The first ten pick, first ten rounds, they have uh, two guys signed: Tom Robson and Jeremy. I'm not going to pronounce his last name. And then they have uh, Jacob Anderson and Jeremy Musgrave. Uh, Musgrove, yeah, I should say. Say it again. It's Gabrzuski. Gabrzuski, your second round. Who was a surprising pick uh, with the uh, screws in the elbow? That's him, right? That's him. Yep. Okay. Well, one um, screw. They got those guys done. But, you know, here we – the Blue Jays otherwise, they have four picks in the top two rounds who are unsigned. And then plus, plus they John have rounds Stilson, three. who's a complicated case. And they got rounds three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten all unsigned. And, you know, the Blue Jays are the, the other team of the Red Sox that I'd, I'd, I'd nominate for most aggressive in the draft. Right. I would not count the Blue Jays out depending on what happens up top and maybe even what happens up top. They got some intriguing guys in the team. Matt Dean in the 13th round we saw as a sandwich round talent. Cole Wiper in the 14th round and Richard Prigatano in the 16th round both made our top 200 prospects list. Uh, they got Aaron Nola, a uh, high school right-hander from Louisiana, who I think is going to wind up at LSU, but he's yeah. another guy who almost made our top 200. I mean, Jarek Suter from Indiana, a uh, multi-sport athlete going to Texas Christian who's real intriguing. I mean, they can they can spend a lot of money if they want to. They're going to spend a lot of money. They, I think when all is said and done, the Blue Jays – may very well own the draft record for spending at the end of this draft. I, I love that. <laughs> I, I, Frank, I, I love to hear that. They may, they may crush it, too. They, they may crush it. They may have to crush it, right, to get all these guys signed? Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll sign it. I mean, last year, Toronto spent $11.6 million, which would have been a record. The old record was 11.5 by the Nationals, but both the Nationals and the Pirates spent 11.9 last year. But, I mean, you, we, let's just go from the top here. Tyler Peedy. Uh, Tyler Peedy. 
you know, we talked about him in the overview. Yeah. You know, reports before the draft, he had a pre-draft deal with the Blue Jays. Now there's reports that he's going to Vanderbilt. And I think, you know, I don't think he had a pre-draft deal with the Blue Jays, like you said. I think he may have had some pre-draft deals in place with other teams he didn't get to. Um, and I don't think he's definitely going to Vanderbilt. I think he's, I still think he's going to sign, but I think they're looking for a number, ultimately, that begins with a three. Um, you know, Dwight Smith Jr. kind of gets lost in the shuffle with these high school pitchers. Who, who went in the top two rounds by the right. Jays? But I mean, Dwight Smith Jr. You know, he he he's you know his dad's a former big leaguer. Uh, you know, he's a sandwich pick. I mean, you know, my guess is you know his slot six seventy five. He's probably not going to sign for slot if he's not signed by now. Um, then you go to Kevin Comer, high school pitcher from New Jersey. I think he's looking for two million. Another you got Daniel Norris, another Vanderbilt commitment, right? And then you got Daniel Norris in, in the second round, Clemson recruit who on some list came into the year as the top high school pick, pick prospect in the country. Um, I don't think Daniel Norris is signing for a number that doesn't begin with the two. I mean, you might, they might need close to $8 million to sign those three high school pitchers. Um, plus Dwight Smith might be close to a million. You know, John Stilson, who had some arm issues at the end of the year, or might have been a late first or sandwich pick. I think he's going to sign. He might sign today. Um, I think he's going to get – you know, I, I think he might get in the four hundred thousand range, something around there. Andrew Chin in the fifth round had Tommy John surgery, and right. I think it's still going to take him a million dollars, or at least that's kind of the asking price to uh, keep him from going to college. So, uh, you know, that that one's kind of uh, an interesting one. We'll have to see. You know, he very well could wind up at Boston College. Um, Anthony DiSclefani, you know, I think is looking for sandwich round money in which the sixth is, round, which is shocking. Yep, Christian Lopes in the seventh round is a guy who, who was one of those guys who became a top prospect very early on, you know, early in his high school career, and didn't quite play up to that. He was on our, you know, he, was on our he was on our last baseball for the ages, Jim. He was a uh, on the twelve year old team in our last time we did baseball for the ages, along with AJ Cole, along with Bryce Harper, along with Deliner DeShields Jr. So Christian so, Lopes has been on the radar a long time. You know, two or three years ago, people would have thought he had a good chance to go in the first round. So I don't think he's necessarily going to be, you know, super cheap to sign away from Southern California necessarily. You know, Mark Biggs is a Kentucky high school pitcher. You know, Kentucky's one of the draft states I do. Um, I heard all along that his asking price was 600 or so. You know, Andrew Suarez from Miami, you know, we'll see. You know, that was another one of our top 200 guys who went lower than he should. I, you know, you know, he's not going to sign just to sign. I mean, he, he's going to be tough. And you know, Aaron Gars in the tenth round, hey, that was one that kind of caught me off guard. He's ultra projectable. You know, six four, one sixty, Texas high school pitcher, but it's kind of eighty five to eighty eight. Right. You know, to me, like that's a hundred fifty thousand dollar guy if you're signing him. So I can't imagine he'll be crazy. You know, and then we have the guys we talked about in the teens. You know, Matt Dean might want you know sandwich money. Wiper might want you know a lot. Prigatano. I mean, if they want to sign. All their guys. Let me let me do some quick math here, John. That might be nine, uh, so. nine five. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna give Andrew Chin a million, but it's like ten five, eleven five. Uh, it, 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 the odometer is going up here. <laughs> I, th- I think just for unsigned guys, if they sign most of their guys in the first ten rounds, plus, let's say they, well, we'll give them one of those guys in the teens. That might be thirteen or fourteen million dollars right there. That would um, be a record just on their unsigned guys, not counting the guys they've already signed. Which include four guys, what, in the first five rounds? Well, yeah, yeah. And the, the four high school guys they've signed in the first five rounds got, <laughs> you know, about close to 2.5. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But the potential is there if Toronto wants to get very aggressive and sign these guys, that they could spend $15 million plus on this draft. So that, that, that'll, that'll be the fun one to watch is Toronto. Uh, no doubt. Because they have a lot. And again, I'm not saying anything's going on with Toronto, but again, we talk about this stupid system. <laughs> I can't imagine that Toronto is not at least laying groundwork on some of these guys because I don't know if it's physically possible to wrap up. We went went through. Let's say they have 12 or 13 more guys are going to sign. How are you going to do all of that on Monday? You know, so okay. they've got to be you know trying to figure out some way to at least lay some groundwork. Yeah, there's no doubt. Baseball America podcast with John and Jim. American League Central, Jim. The White Sox are a team that – now, where are they in that spending in the last five years? And uh, because last, of that – Yeah, since the signing deadline, they are dead last at $15.5 That's what I thought. Are there anybody there left uh, going to go uh, after here late? They've only got one player unsigned in the first ten rounds on Ian Gardeck. I guess two, Ben O'Shea, the 
JC Lefty. Anybody in there? That are they going to go crazy on Ben O'Shea or? Uh... I don't think it's tough because the junior college guys are always the toughest to figure. You know, Gardick's ticketed for Alabama. Ben O'Shea is headed to Maryland. Uh, you know, both JUCO guys. Um, I, you know, the, the, on O'Shea, I'd heard. You know, there, there's. You know, you have a kind of this dual slot, which is all, also kind of stupid. <laughs> After the fifth round, you're not supposed to pay more than 125. But it's kind of okay if you pay 150, um, which is <laughs> so. Anyway, I think um, going going back to that, um, I think they're offering him slot, whether it's the 125 or 150, and I think he wants about twice that. So you know, I don't know. You know, Gardick's a guy who kind of was the talk of fall ball last year on the Texas JUCO circuit. Right. My guess is he's not going to sign because. I did, you know, we're talking about the White Sox. They don't spend on the draft. You know, they're not the type of team that's going to give Ian Gardick five hundred thousand dollars in the eighth round. He had an inconsistent. He's a great arm, inconsistent spring, and pitched his way into the junior college bullpen. To me, that's a guy that, and I'm just guessing here. I don't have any inside information on him. That the White Sox are probably offering him the one twenty five or one fifty. And if I'm Gardick, I go to Alabama next year with a chance to prove myself, in, you know, against better competition in the SEC and figure I can, you know, I can get, at least get that next year. And I don't think. Um, I don't think there's a late round guy that they're gonna, you know, invest a lot of money in. That would surprise me. They, they just don't do that. Just as I say, just out of character. I agree. It would be very out of character for the White Sox to do it. Don't I don't rule it out, but it'd be very out of character. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Indians, Jim, uh, have shifted gears in recent years in the draft, and they just gutted their farm system. Their farm system has taken a big hit this year as they've graduated impact players of the big leagues like Lonnie Chisholm and Jason Kipnis. And now they've traded their top pitching prospects in White and Pomerantz, soon to be de- soon to be dealt. Plus Joe Gardner, that's five of their top ten guys from last year right there. So, are the White Sox, uh, the White Sox, are the Indians maybe even more inclined to spend on their unsigned picks like Francisco Lindor, Dylan Howard, Stephen Tarpley, some of these other guys? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, I think they would have spent anyway because last year, you know, they spent nine point four million dollars on the draft, which was far and away. A franchise record for the Indians, so I, I think they would have been willing to spend, regardless. You know, it's they're in kind of an unenviable position a little bit with Francisco Lindor at eight because you know, we keep talking about these first seven picks. Who you know, Trevor Bauer's already signed, and it's you know four point four five million in guarantees, but he'll probably collect close to seven. All these other guys are going to get deals, you know, six, seven, maybe more ahead of them, and then you got to deal with Francisco Lindor, who's a good player, but he's not quite on that tier. But yet the guy who goes in front of him might sign for six or seven million dollars. So they'll get him done. I anticipate. You know, I I, I couldn't even guess what number he's going to wind up getting. To be honest with you, John. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could guess, um, but I'd probably be wrong. I mean, you know, I doubt it'll be for slot. Um, you know, maybe it's two and a half to three million. Yeah, you know, whatever number I come up with, the advisor is going to think I'm one. Either the advisor or the team is going to think I'm too high or too low. So I, I, I don't think they're close. And I think that one's going to come down to the wire. And then Dylan Howard's a guy who was a first round talent, um, who went in the second round. Um, another you know Boris Corporation client. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to sign for less in first round money. So I mean, it might take. You know, both those guys' numbers might start with twos, and I might be thinking low on those guys. I don't know. You know, I, but I, I do think they'll sign. I, my guess is they'll probably get both those guys signed, and and with Tarpley, we'll see. I, I think Tarpley's probably going to take at least you know sandwich type money uh, to not go to USC next year. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. And then uh, Aaron Fitfave, Zach McPhee, he's not a guy you go way over. Saw, but Kevin Brady in the seventeenth round, I think, is an interesting guy. Uh, Sean Armstrong had a pretty decent summer in the Coastal Plain League as a summer follow. Um, anybody else further down there, like the twenties uh, that they might go after? Maybe a, one of the better names in the draft, Tyler Nurden. Tyler Nurden just sounds too much like Tyler Durden, not to be a great, uh, a great draft name. Yeah, you know, Taylor Sparks was a guy you know we liked. I, I you know, they, Dylan Peters was a guy who was on our top two hundred. Um, you know, Kevin Kramer was a guy who almost made our top two hundred. They have guys to spend money on, and I, you know, the the question is, are these guys? Backup plans if Dylan Howard and or Stephen Tarpley fall through, or are they going to get these guys done in addition to them? So we'll see. I mean, they certainly have you know some intriguing guys like you suggested and a couple more I threw out there to spend money on after the tenth round if they want to. Yeah, I expect the uh, well. What's the over under? I guess on the total number the Indians might end up spending seven million dollars on their whole draft class. Would you go mm. over that? Yeah, that's probably fair. I'm trying to do the math in my head because they've already spent, you know, seven, eight. You know, they signed Eric Haas this morning for close to six. 
They've probably spent you know about two point five so far. Yeah, I think they could go seven and a half. You know, they'll be you know probably eight million dollars maybe if they, especially if they sign both Lindor and Howard and, and get one of these a couple of these other guys. Now the Tigers have been a team that have gone well over slot in the past, uh, but it doesn't seem like Detroit really has too many opportunities for that. They seem like oh they didn't have a first round pick. They got their second rounder James McCann, a college junior, wrapped up finally uh, this year. Are the Tigers basically done? I think so. You know, I, the story we all heard, and I think you've heard it too, John, is that you know they really wanted Tyler Beatty. They were hoping his price tag would get him to drop to seventy six, and then right. they could spend big like they did last year when they didn't have a first round pick, and they gave Nick Castellanos three point four five million in the sandwich round. And you know, by the time they got to their seventy six pick, I don't think there was that big ticket guy there they really wanted. I mean, they've signed their first fourteen picks. Um, the one guy up in the air right now, and I, I think it could go either way, is Tyler Gibson in, in the fifteenth round. He's a He's a high school outfielder from Georgia, uh, recruit of Georgia Tech. You know, very athletic kid, um, and it just comes down to, you know, again he has the opportunity to go to Georgia Tech. You know, good school. He's not going to sign just to sign. And you know, if they, if he signs, I would anticipate he'd get a bigger bonus. I guess I'm speculating it would take more than the five seventy seven nine hundred that James McCann got to keep him from going to Georgia Tech. Um, and we'll see if we. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't know if they're going to give it to him or not. Pretty important recruit for the Yellow Jackets as well, who would like him to be their future shortstop. Um, and, he, and he fits there, uh, at least the college level. Um, the Royals, Jim, uh, a lot of people are going to be watching the Royals. Three of their first four picks unsigned. Uh, Two-sport guy, Bubba Starling. I guess he could be as many sports as he wanted to be, Bubba Starling. But college potential to play at Nebraska, both football and baseball, with their new head coach, Darren Erstad. Brian, uh, she's a brick house uh, in the third round. Kyle Smith, one of my favorite players in the draft there in the fourth round. Um, what are you hearing on, on those three? I, I think we're expecting all three of those guys to sign, correct? We are. You know, they just signed their fifth round pick for $600,000. You know, the Royals are a team that has not been shy about going over slot. They've spent a lot of money on the draft to, to rebuild. You know, fifth in the last four years. In terms of draft spending at $31 million. Also, a big part um, of that, obviously, is that they've been poor at the major league level, and they always draft in the first five picks, it seems. Yep, and, you know, they've been aggressive with later round guys, too. You know, like Good point. Your, your, your Chris Dwyers and your Will Myers, you know, both got, you know, huge money. But, you know, Bubba, you know, like we alluded to with some of these other guys, I just, you know, I think he's got a high price tag. He's represented or advised by the Boris Corporation, and I'm sure, I mean, he, he's a better prospect than fellow Boris Corporation advisee. Uh, Donovan Tate was a couple years ago. Donovan Tate got six point two five million on a two sports spread deal. I think Bubba Starling is going to get seven seven and a half million dollars when all is said and done. But whatever the number is, I you know I know Nebraska quarterback. I got Huskers fans asking me about him all the time. He's going to get offered whatever the number is more money than I think anybody could possibly turn down. So I, I think he's going. Anybody listen to the National League podcast? Bubba Starling will get offered enough money that if he were my son, I would send him to Pro Ball. Uh, <laughs> he, he will get more than my son AJ's $5 million sign ability. Um, I like the way we put Brian that. Bur- we're just going to call that the AJ number for the rest of the podcast. It's $5 million. Well, he might come down a little bit. We'll see. Depending on the, he, He's a big Astros fan, so I think the Astros could get him a, a little bit of a – not a hometown discount, but like a fan discount there. But uh, okay. uh, Brian Brickhouse, you know, third round. Um, you know, it might be a seven-figure guy. He's out of the woodlands, you know, home of Kyle Drabeck and Jameson Tyone and also Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I th- I, we're, it sounds like he's going to wind up signing. Again, won't be close to slot. You know, Royals also gave 750 to their second-round picks. So they've already started to spend. And their fourth-round pick is Kyle Smith, high school right-hander from Florida. Um, and my guess is they'll probably – I mean, the, the Royals' track record is they want a guy. They sign him. I mean – I think the, the 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 highest unsigned pick they're going to have is probably Evan Beal, their eighth rounder. Sounds like he's going to wind up going to South Carolina. Um, I don't know if they have anybody late that they'd spend a bunch of money on. I, I think they're going to concentrate their efforts on the on those guys at the top. I think they're going to get those guys signed. Makes a lot of sense. That that has been the Royals' track record. I love Kyle Smith. That guy's interesting. I think. I mean, we'll... it might be it Go might ahead. be nine million dollars if we're, we're doing over unders. You know, it might be nine million dollars to sign those three guys with the majority of that money going to Bubba. Um, but Kansas City has spent that kind of money in the past. It, it has a, a team that has not spent that kind of money in the past is the Minnesota Twins, Jim, and they haven't drafted high. They haven't drafted in the first ten picks since taking Joe Mauer in two thousand one. 
Uh, here again, they draft not until 30th. They're going to draft high in 2012 because they've had a poor year at the big league level. But a little surprising to see their guys on sign. You get the college junior, but uh, and Levi Michael, their first rounder. But it sounds like they're going to have some difficulty. Are they, or are they having any difficulty with their two supplemental picks, Travis Harrison and Hudson Boyd? And do they have some backup plans later on in the draft class? I think that well, I think they'll get Michael done. I think he's another one of these guys, college junior, stuck on slot. You know, he'll probably get a little over slot maybe when all is said and done, but he'll he'll get done. Travis Harrison, I think he'll get done. Um, you know, maybe a, a seven-figure number, which is why that one hasn't happened yet. You know, Hudson Boyd, you know, will be inter- you know the the complicating factor on that one a little bit. You know, we were talking about Dan Vogelbach with the Cubs and how it's an open secret that <laughs> the Cubs are going to pay him a pretty big number. It's just not official, but everybody's been hearing the same number, you know, first-round type of number since you know right after the draft ended. And Hudson Boyd is his teammate, and I don't think the Twins are going to pay Hudson Boyd what Dan Vogelbach got. Um, and I think, you know, I think they'll get Boyd done, but that's one, you know, if I, if we're picking deals that maybe don't get done, you know, maybe it's him because I think, you know, this is another case of how stupid this system is. <laughs> Hudson yeah. Boyd had some teams on him in the first round and then Hudson Boyd, I believe told those teams, if I go in the first round, I'll sign for slot because I want to get out and play. But, <laughs> you know, you know, end of the first round is roughly a million dollars. If I don't go in the first round and I have to wait, I'm not going to sign for the same number. It's going to be a higher number because if I'm going to have to wait all summer and lose two months of my pro career, I'm not signing for the same number if it, if it doesn't mean I can't go out and play right away. And I think that's the situation they're in right now. I, I think they'll get it done. But again, if we're, I, I think when all is said and done, th- there isn't a single guy in the first in the first round of the sandwich round, I mean, Brett Austin, who we talked about with the Potters, if he sticks to two million, you know, maybe he's the toughest sign. Or Kevin Comer of the Blue Jays, if he sticks to two million, maybe he's the toughest sign. But I do think mo- almost all these guys are going to get done. My over/under, an unsigned picks in the first and sandwich round would be, you know, one and a half. But if you're picking guys who might not sign, the things might break down when all is said and done, then maybe Hudson Boyd's one of those guys. But just to clarify. I do think they will get him signed. I just think that's that's been a little bit more difficult than they hoped. Yeah, that's a that's a danger one. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, Jason Wheeler again, a college junior. Brett Lee, the difficult JUCO guy we've talked about. Uh, Adam McCreary was a guy who came into the year with some higher expectations. How about the couple guys who seem like they're pretty interesting? One, a guy from up in your neck of the woods, Nick Birdie up in Illinois, and then James Ramsey, a summer follow in the Cape Cod League, who'd be a great senior to get back if you're Florida State. But sounds like. He's had he has some real decisions to make. Yeah, you know it's you know Birdie's a guy who came out you know was great at the Under Armour All America game last August you know through ninety three ninety five and topped out at ninety seven in the fall and then showed the same kind of arm early this spring. Then had some various physical issues and was never the same guy. I, I don't think he's going to sign. I, I would imagine his number is too high. He's already at summer school in Louisville. You know, he reportedly wants seven figures. I, I just I'd be shocked if he signed. Okay. Um, I do think they have a good chance. I think they're making a run. James Ramsey. I think they have a chance to get James Ramsey done. You know, it might be second round money to sign him after the summer he had, but I think he might be the guy who, you know, after those first couple guys we're talking about, might be, you know, their top priority right now to try to get done. And the surprising thing on that to me is I really like James Ramsey, but if there's an organization, I know you don't take need, but I mean, they've got plenty of outfielders, you know. Um, I'm just surprised. I, I really like James Ramsey. I thought he would go a lot higher than he went. Uh, maybe if he gets second round money, they'll make me, you know, feel vindicated in my assessment of James Ramsey. I'm just surprised that that would be the guy that the Twins would go over slot for because they have plenty of corner bats and plenty of outfielders, and uh, just surprises me that would be the guy. I would have thought it would have been someone more like a Rocky McCord, uh, you know, later on, or a personal cheese ball out the yin yang in the 40th round, Kyle Bearclaw, who I loved. Out of high school, man, I was all about Kyle Bearclaw three years ago out of high school. Plus, it's just a great name, Kyle Bearclaw. Uh, I, I think it just with Ramsey, good John. It just goes back to he had such a good summer on the Cape. Yeah, that it, it, it's you know it's he, there's very few things you can do as a draftee that to help your cause more than have a good Cape. I mean, we we see it, and you know, when we're talking about Preston Tucker, the reverse is true too. We, we see it all the time where a guy has a great Cape and maybe not a very good spring, and there's still teams that believe in that Cape. 
and and you get rewarded for it. And he came out. You know, a lot of these summer, you know, college juniors, you know, who don't go high in the draft, you know, wind up going and playing summer ball to try to boost their stock. And James Ramsey probably helped himself about as much as anybody this summer. I wonder how much, uh, how similar it is in the twin system. How similar they think it is to a guy like Bobby Kilty, who they signed out of the Cape 13 years ago. You know. Yeah, uh, he was a non-drafted free agent who really helped himself. Right, absolutely. Um, let's move on to the uh, let's move on to the American League West. Uh, as JJ Cooper comes in to check and make sure that we're okay on this long <laughs> podcast. Um, it's two podcasts. Come it on. is two podcasts. The Angels, uh, Jim, first uh, draft for Rick Wilson. They've had some obvious success with draft picks from the previous, uh, you know, from Eddie Bain. It's basically all the same scouts. So um, they really didn't have a ton of turnover, three or four area guys, but same staff, same front office. Uh, Mike Clevenger and Austin Wood, a couple of hard-throwing guys who don't really know where it's going all the time. And Dominic Jose, a Stanford signee. Seem like those are their, their only real uh, big questions left. Uh, are those the questions left for, this, uh, for, for, the, for the Angels? Yeah, I don't. You know, they might be done. You know, and they got you know Wayne Taylor, who went one round ahead of Dominic Jose, is also a Stanford kid. Um, you know, I don't have a great feel for if they're going to be able to sign these guys. You know, I, I don't think they're real close on Clevenger. You know, the junior college guys are always hard to figure out. You know, Austin Wood. You know, I, I think again, college junior. You know, if you're offering him slot, he's not going to sign for slot. Um, so I, I don't know where that. That one goes, and I don't think they signed the two Stanford recruits, Taylor or Jose. So they, uh, Angel, wouldn't surprise me at all if, if if we're done with Angel signees. You know, they, they've signed everybody; they're going to wind up signing. It sounds like we are. Oakland, Jim. They've seen like they've signed. Uh, some of their big question was uh, was B. A. Volmuth. They got him done. They got a couple other college guys, but it doesn't seem like that. The, it seems like the A's are done. Are they not? Might be. They. Um, I mean, I think. I think they're still kicking the tires on some guys, but not, you know, I don't think they're, they're, I don't, it's guys who aren't going to cost them necessarily a boatload of money, but they're, they're, they're not even looking to, to, to kind of meet in the middle and, and spend, you know, maybe a little bit more than they want to spend. But, you know, the A's went all of a sudden done. You know, I didn't have a second round pick, you know, went 118,000 over slots for Sonny Gray and have been pretty much slotting everybody else. They might spend less on the draft than just about anybody. Uh, you know, still talking to Colin O'Connell in the eighth round, the Fullerton right hander. Still talking to Jace Fry in the ninth round, the Oregon uh, high school left-hander. Still talking to Chris Lamb in the eleventh round, the Davidson left-hander. Um, you know, might cost. I mean, I'm just guessing here, but I mean, I think you might be able to sign those three guys for eight hundred thousand dollars together. Yeah. Um, and having closed a deal, you know, they got Brandon McGee in the twenty-first round, kind of real interesting Arizona State football guy. player. Yeah. Um, but I think I mean they've already got to be practicing football at Arizona State, and you know I don't I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. So they you know they might get one of those guys we were just talking about, you know Lamb, Fry, O'Connell, you know some of those guys. But I, I think they're pretty much done, you know, done with this draft. You know I I don't, I don't you're not going to see a you know that, I don't think there's a late round guy they're going to throw a ton of money at, and I, I'm not convinced that they're necessarily you know I, I think they could sign all three of those guys with O'Connell, Fryer, Lamb, or or none of them. I they're still working on those guys. The Mariners, Jim, I have a few more questions. Uh, you've got the obvious guy. I mean, like we talked about, college junior Brad Miller in the second round. Um, Carson Smith, there uh, is he just a typical college junior, or is he, or is there some, uh, were there some injury issues with him down the stretch of the season? Yeah, you know, there's a lot going on with the Mariners. You know, it's funny. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, they've, 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 they've kind of signed their draft upside down. They signed everybody in rounds 10 through 23, and then rounds 25 through 28. You know, they've signed it to all their late guys, but, you know, let's, let's start from the top. Yeah, Danny Holtz is going to be tough. Two, you know, I think, again, when you take the guy at two, you're going to sign it. You can make the point that, again, you know, there's all, any number of college pitchers, Scherzer, Jared Weaver, uh, Luke Hochevar, uh, Aaron Crow, who have gone to independent ball and come back and gotten paid and, you know, paid well. I think the Mariners need Danny Holson with the year they're having more than Danny Holson needs the Mariners. You know, if you, if you, you know, if it comes down to it, um, the number, and I haven't heard, you know, I don't know where this number comes from, if it's true or not true. The number you hear floating around is Danny Holson's 10 million plus. Right. You know, <laughs> I don't necessarily think he's getting 10 million plus, but he's from a very well-to-do family. Um, and again, you know, if you're offering these guys slot, 
three, four days before the draft, when you know Slot's not going to come close to getting the job done, you've got a lot of ground to make up. And again, I think they will. I'd be shocked if he doesn't sign. But again, I just think back to Aaron Crow a few years ago with the Nationals, where the Nationals stuck at Slot, and I think Aaron was asking for a major league deal around, I don't know, seven or seven and a half. They weren't even close, and then they couldn't bridge the gap quick enough. So you never know. But I do think Holtzen will sign, but they're not close. I think same thing on Brad Miller. You're talking second round pick getting offered slot. I think it's they're gonna have to, you know, probably pay him somewhere in the sandwich area to sign him. You know, his slot is five eighty seven. You know, uh, my guess is like all these college juniors, they probably haven't gone past that. And they're probably gonna have to sign it. My my guess is he'll get done. I, I can't imagine it won't. Kevin Crone, third rounder, high schooler, you know, brother of the Angels first round pick, CJ Crone. He's at TCU already. Right. You know, you know, which again doesn't mean that he can't, you know, pack his stuff back up and go join the Mariners. But, you know, we'll see on that one. I I, I don't have a great feel. I, I think that one could go either way. Uh fifth rounder, Tyler Marlette, you know, he's committed to Central Florida. Same type of thing. I I could see that one going either way. We're talking about a team last year that let their third round pick Ryan Stanick go to Arkansas, and Ryan Stanick's probably going to be a first round pick if he's he's on the border of being draft eligible. You know, in the 2012 draft, right. Ryan Stanick's going to be a first round pick in 2012 or 2013 whenever he's eligible. Um, so anyway, Mar- you know, you know, they didn't sign him last year. Yeah, so Marlette and and Crone could go either way. Carson Smith, who you were mentioning, John. He's got some shoulder issues. Had a great year. Had a great year for Texas State. Um, shoulder tendonitis in offseason. Shoulder issues. I know there were some teams a little leery of the medical on him. Um, so I don't know what's going on with with that one. You know that could go either way. And then the and the, the real mystery guy, Kevin. What is it? Co-host? Most intriguing background. Yeah, most intriguing. Might be most intriguing back- background of the whole draft when we get around to draft board cards. Kevin Cohos, who's you know, has played some in Ohio and got some exposure. Um, you know, sounds like a real interesting player is a, you know, plus or plus plus speed, plus arm, interesting bat. Although I, I don't know what kind of competition you really face with the, you know, armed forces circuit in Europe, uh, <laughs> the armed forces high school circuit. But, you know, he has been seen, I guess he's played some summer ball in Ohio. Um, so he'd be really, you know, shortstop. You know, just really, you know, you could dream about this guy's upside. You just, there's not a lot of track record, but there were apparently five or six teams on him. I, from what I'm hearing, it, it may take close to seven figures to sign Cave and Cohos. And while that may seem like crazy, the other part of it is I, I think if, I think he's going to not go to Ohio State where he committed. I think he goes to Chipola Junior College next year if he doesn't sign. And here's the thing. You know, there were only a handful of teams on him because not everybody knew about him. You know, if he does, you know, this is a guy who if he is as good as this sketchy scouting report we have on him you know, leads us to believe he goes to Chipola and gets a ton of exposure – He's going to go a lot higher next year's draft. So my guess is, I don't think they signed Cave and Cohos. I, I think you know they might be willing to make a run at him. I, I just I, you know, are they going to go seven figures? If that's really what it takes, that would surprise me a little bit. I think um, our so scouting we'll, we'll, is pretty pretty decent actually. I think I, I think uh, Connor talked to a couple of dudes who'd seen him in Europe. So uh, he's interesting. I think there's no doubt. There, there were some teams who really liked him. It's just he was not. You know, he's a guy. I think if he goes to Chipotle and all thirty teams see him. Then he's going to go pretty good. Yeah. Next year. He has a chance to go pretty good next year. And finally, wrapping up the longest podcast of Baseball America history, the Texas Rangers, Jim. They're not done, but they're mostly done. But they got some interesting high school guys there in the, the first uh, with single-digit picks. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, the right hand out of Mississippi. We talked a little bit about Mississippi high school guys in the, in the National League part of the podcast. Derek Fisher, very intriguing player out of Pennsylvania. And then Max Pentecost kind of the Luke Bailey of this year's draft, the high school catcher from Georgia who could have gone in the first three or four rounds but then uh, had uh, elbow injury, Tommy John surgery in the seventh round. So there's signs that he's going to sign. Um, what's, and then they have the intriguing uh, high school kid from Idaho, Cy Sneed. not sure if you've checked out any of Cy Sneed's uh, YouTube videos, but he's, he seems interesting. And one of the best names in the draft, Joey Pancake, down in the 42nd round. Doesn't sound like Joey Pancake's going to sign, but which of these high school guys are the Rangers going to be bold on and, and and go over slot for? I think the Rangers may be done. I mean, we're talking about a team that that spent you know 15 million or so on Leonis Martin earlier in the year, the Cuban defector, which looks like a good deal so far. Um, they spent you know close to eight and a half million on two Dominican outfielders. 
right. you know, at the start of the July 2nd signing period, and pretty much had been, you know, almost all slot in the draft. In fact, I think, I think they, they have pretty much been slot in the draft. You know, maybe a little over for a couple. Connor Sads got 350 in the 11th round. It's probably their biggest over slot guy. Um, you know, I think they'd like to make a run at Woodruff, but I, you know, he's told people he's going to Mississippi State, uh, and I don't think they're going to be able to sign him away from Mississippi State. You know, Derek Fisher's a guy who was telling people, you know, before the draft he wanted two million dollars. Um, I don't think he's going to be signable either. I think he's going to Virginia. Um, you know, Pentecost, I think they're going to make a run at. You know, he's an interesting high school catcher from Georgia who would have gone higher if he hadn't had Tommy John surgery. But, um, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to go after any of those later round guys. Uh, you know, your, your Cy Snead or, or Joey Pancake or, or any of those guys. I, I think, you know, it may be, you know, maybe make a run at Pentecost and, you know, and maybe one other guy. But I think for the most part, they're done. You know, they, they, they will not have spent a ton on the draft when all is said and done compared to other teams. But they obviously felt like their money was best spent internationally this year. And, and, and I do think, too, you know, with their draft, you know, the Rangers, you know, like up the middle athlete type of players or high ceiling pitchers. And I think the two guys they really wanted in this draft were hoping would follow them were Tyler Beatty and Brandon Nimmo. You know, Nimmo went 13th to the Mets. Beatty went 21st to the Blue Jays. And I think they kind of changed course a little bit with those guys off the board and and, you know, I think they were willing to spend on the draft if they could have had those guys. Like, if those guys had gotten to 33 and 37 somehow, I think the Rangers would have been all in on those guys and spent to sign them. Didn't work out, so they kind of kind of changed their, their amateur acquisition strategy uh, midstream, you know, as how they were going to allocate their money this year. Well, Jim, uh, we went through all 30 clubs. We could have we could take two more hours and talk about how dumb the process is. Actually, I think we probably could just sum it up in two minutes, but uh, – Let's really hope, we had a story on it earlier. I know you've done a little reporting. We'll save it for another podcast, but I think we really are hoping that next year in the new CBA, at the very least, this uh, deadline gets moved up to July 15th, right? I mean, is it the least we can hope for for next year? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get hard slotting. Um, I, I do think we'll, we'll get an earlier deadline. Could be July. It could be as early as July 1st, You know, maybe more likely July 15th. But I definitely think we will have an earlier deadline, which you know we'll talk about this at a later date when we know what's actually going to happen. But I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to change what guys get. It's just going to streamline the process and make everybody a lot happier. I think most of the guys are still going to get the same amount of money, but we'll just instead of having to go through this charade, it'll yeah. get done in a much more timely fashion. It would make the futures game week awfully exciting. It's, that would be player development week in baseball. You'd start with the futures game. You'd finish with the signing deadline. That would be a, a great week for Baseball America. But this is a big week. We always have a ton of traffic, and most of it's because of the, the hard work that you do. Obviously, the, a lot of us contribute, but uh, I just want to say thanks for all the hard work you do in the middle of August um, and throughout the summer on the draft uh, signing deadline. It's you know Those relationships obviously take a lot of work, and uh, we appreciate it. So thanks. Well, thanks, John. I enjoy doing it. And uh, you probably heard the phones ringing in the background at the end of the podcast. I have to return a call and uh, yep. and see who that one is. Uh, is concerning and uh, good times, and hopefully people will uh, enjoy their their two plus hours of uh, podcasting that we put together this morning. We hope so. We'll probably never do two plus hours again, except for uh, draft deadline next July. Hopefully, for Jim Callis, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for joining us on these two Baseball America podcasts. Until next time, so long, everybody.